Karina and Ari Kaimun coming at you with the planets are my gods. And we got to talking and thinking about what would be something that we would find really exciting and inspiring to be able to create kind of a long-term arc where we're sort of following a similar thread through many different episodes of the podcast. And you all might laugh, but we actually realized going back to basics that one of the things we find the most inspiring is, drum roll please, the signs. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, y'all. The basic building blocks of astrology. We're talking Aries, Taurus, Gemini. Those signs are in fact alive living, breathing, ever-changing, ever-initiating archetypes, vast fields of consciousness, living entities that are endlessly fascinating and inspiring for us. And so we thought we could do a series straight up going through the signs. And we're going to be starting with Aries. And at least for this episode, we're considering that probably anyone listening in has some foundational understanding of Aries in terms of a few keywords, a little bit of a sense of it. And so the structure that we're going to do this time, and we might change it in the future, is just to sort of not necessarily go over the absolute sort of Aries 101 that you might find in an introduction to astrology book, even though I'm sure that's going to be woven in throughout, but maybe just sort of share some of the things that we've noticed over our decades of practicing astrology. And as ways of also kind of illuminating, right? These are other ways of getting to know Aries through different things that we might sort of pepper in to kind of fill out our basic understanding. And then because we like to go deep, we're going to sort of choose what are some of those really core essence dynamics, like the real soul journey inside of Aries process and spend some time really unpacking that and finding the heart of it because one way that I really love to work with, and I love that you made such a funny deal (laughs) out of us choosing the archetypes because we have been literally geeking and researching and studying and field researching with every person that we meet about these archetypes for over 15 years. And still, every time we spend any time together, I feel like we are spending hours dissecting and like you said the very essence of the soul and it's like evolutionary intention and to me that's how I really love to work and see the archetypes is that they are the the 12 like deities (laughs) the 12 archetypes of human consciousness and human development development so like regardless of where our planets personally are inside of our natal chart regardless of where your partner or whoever you might be like really into studying it's like if we can actually understand all of these archetypes and how they move in this you know circular way but then also how they actually are interfacing with one another and how every time that we are in Aries, we are going to have uh, experience not only within ourselves, but we will be like experiencing the external reflection of the squaring and opposing archetypes as well. And so to really be able to dialogue that of like, how can we understand what is Aries true evolutionary intention and how that looks inside of our lives and how it like looks inside of, you know, our people that we study and everything like that, but also how we are then inviting these opposing and squaring archetypes that will manifest as characters in our lives. Because the signs are always in conversation with each other. Like the layout, every part of astrology is divinely choreographed to me. And it is a wheel. It's a complete wheel. And the placement of the signs, their positions is part of that whole, whole sacred transmission that is astrology. And so Aries is inherently always in conversation with every single one of the signs. They're all in a concert to each other. And I was thinking to me, people say astrology is like learning language. 
it is. And the signs are <laughs> part of the, the basic. <laughs> the signs are part of the basic alphabet, the basic building blocks of that language. And it also reminds me of musical notes. You know, it's like really understanding the notes that exist almost if you imagine like laid out on a piano and then it's from that those notes that you make all of music and so I just love it now we're like geeking on just (laughs) signs themselves totally but I also love that you bring up that it's like a language because I was speaking today about just how within some of the indigenous languages like Shipibo for instance they like in their language they create the 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 worship of the plants like the devotion the the different ways where like thank you is this like opening of the heart and the dove is flying out and like landing in the heart of the other and it's just like there's a way in which there's so much of how they value and how they weave themselves into a tapestry with the plants and the animals that I find so fascinating about language is that there's certain value systems and power structures um, that are interwoven inside of the actual foundation of the language. And so even if the people have their own experiences and their own consciousnesses and everything comes from that, there's something that's always drawing them back to like a firm foundation of like what they believe in as a culture and like how that actually like weaves them inside of the the tapestry of of all of life you know and I think there's something about that that rings true to astrology which is like how which is why I feel like I'm so about like freeing the archetypes and the planets from this colonized, from this, um, like what I consider like hijacked, um, way of perceiving or expressing that frequency of energy and that like core desire. And when we're able to like shed light on that core desire, and that evolutionary intention and bring as much awareness and consciousness and freedom to it. I feel like there's so much more of reality that we're opened up to. Yeah. It's like language, verbal language is the operating system of human consciousness. When I was studying anthropology, Mm. we spent so much time um, looking at this philosophy of cognition called phenomenology and it's basically understanding that what we're able to perceive through our senses we're then taught linguistic categories to describe our sense experience and that this creates a loop where we're perceiving our internal experience and our external sensory experience and then we're going to the linguistic models that we have and then we're imposing our linguistic models on our internal and external experience and so there's this loop that's happening that's creating Mm. what is I what is the world what am I experiencing Mm -hmm. and I do feel like there's something where we use astrology We use our ability to perceive and understand and play and explore astrology, usually a lot, I think, to inform our human lives, right? Right. As like a language of self-understanding, of being able to use it as a divination process, of being able to mirror it to our own experience in order to deepen our perception of what's going on. But when you talk about liberating the signs, it reminds me that these things are also, they exists so far beyond a human life. And I think that's actually what, why I think it's, why the planets are my gods, why I think it's such a way, a spiritual practice. Like it's a consistent relationship and devotional way of being of like how am I and how are they constantly co-creating and interfacing creating this like shared reality you know yeah I always like just remembering how big the planets are (laughs) (laughs) and I know like bigger is not always better but just like 
to me, it's like a physical representation of the humility with which to approach them. Like we really are nested within this ecology that's so much bigger than we are. Like the force of Saturn, like imagining, I mean, just think of the earth and how big that planet is. And then think of fucking Jupiter, like 1,333 times the size of the earth. Like that red dot is three earths. You know, and to me, that's just such an absolute reminder of like the humility of being in the presence of greatness, of divine, of something so much greater than us, that we are nonetheless a part of that is like channeling and circulating energy through us, that is gravitationally impacting us in the very fabric that we are also one with. Fuck yeah. And it's so funny to me when people are like, but how can you really feel it? <laughs> like, <laughs> just, like, we have to be pretty numb <laughs> to not feel fucking Jupiter. And it's like, before I understood, you know, I'm trying tracking all this information psychically. I didn't realize that I was literally tracking like a planet coming into right. our planetary orb or like affecting my natal chart and like awakening certain points. And it's like when I really realized that I had realized how much I had been running from the planets. Like when I had a par- partner and I was, I could feel that when the planet was coming, there was like, I needed to let go. And I was refusing. Like I would like literally be trying to like make you know, what, what is it, that's with God or something? It felt like I was, like, trying to negotiate oh. at all costs. Just feeling the energy coming, I could feel. It's like a giant wave is coming. And learning how to go through those transits and, like, really be fu- fucking humbled and shredded and then, like, really having the opportunity to see how much even those things that I thought were traumatizing and like taking away the thing that I never wanted to be taken away, like realizing that like truly my highest form of evolution was like coming, like the opportunity to meet that initiation was the very thing that I was like fearing and running from and trying to negotiate around, you know, And I just think that's so beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. And you were touching on, that's my favorite myth of how this astrological wisdom came to be. My, when I like dream into how it is that across time, across civilizations, people perceived the energy of what is Venus, of what is Mars, that there were similarities in what people noticed in that astral body and the energy around I like imagining that what they did is they turned towards the planet and they turned towards their psychic perceptive faculties and they're like, what am I feeling right now? And that it wasn't tracking those different energies over time that they were able to amass together an understanding Mm -hmm. of what the particular god of Venus or of Mars Mm -hmm. was. And you know, just like what you're saying... I have um, my whole life gotten very affected by the new moon. I know some people get very affected by full moon, but for me it's new moon. And it's just like such a relief when I'm feeling like shit and I'm like falling into all my addictive habits hard. And I'm like, what's the moon doing? And it's like, oh, it's fucking new moon. Which is funny, like one of my favorite memories and favorite moments where I felt like the the moon was really just teaching me the transmission of what she's like in Capricorn was when we were standing under oh. the Capricorn full moon and here Mariah has a moon in Capricorn. Represent. Yeah. And I was like, but really what's it like to, for, you know, I wanted to get out of, you know, cause I think with astrology we can get so into labeling and, and like you said, labeling like how it affects human consciousness and, and everything. And there was something about, you know, I could label what a moon in Capricorn is like. But when we stood under her that night, it felt like she showed me mm. a very physical feeling of 
drawing the energy into the root system of that like winter containment like draw it into the roots and the trunk of the tree and And like let go of all those fucking leaves and like really containing that energy and in an emotional an emotional way Mm. emotional containment emotional boundary like conservative like being conservative. Yeah. And it's like for me I'm like contraction, conservative. It doesn't speak to me normally, but when she when she showed me that, which I'm very, becoming very aware of of my patterns around around um excess and um activation. And yeah, there's something about actually being able to receive the transmission in an energetic and physical way that then also allows for the language to then like bloom and blossom out into something that creates even more depth inside of the you know our relationship to these archetypes and these planets and I feel like Aries is actually that's such an important aspect of Aries to me and I think that so many we can all forget of how sensitive Aries is because it's such a outward expressive kind of um, conflict or you know just meeting it's a very physical exertive sign and that can feel very physical and potentially superficial or young you know but I think of the way that it's coming from Pisces the way that it's coming from this like really huge subconscious undercurrent cosmic orientation and and like divine too you know and how it needs to be in its instincts it needs to be able to like really read those undercurrents and be able to like make action feel that inside of the body and know where to go know who's safe know when it's time to go know when it's time to let go of something and to trust oneself and to and to it's being guided and propelled and something that oftentimes um i think can be mistaken as something like you said like i said superficial and physical but i think in order to actually propel oneself into this unknown into this fool it has to be really sensitive to these deep undercurrents did you say into this fool yeah the fool of of the tarot oh like the fool card like the first card of the tarot is the fool yeah Mm -hmm. and it's like leaping off into the unknown and it can like be mistaken as naive it can be mistaken as like something simplistic and yet I think it's the major initiation that we must embody and go through in order to actually evolve Mm. to self-actualize I love that that it's like that kind of like extroverted vital energy willingness to take risks can actually mask seeing the actual sensitivity or like the vulnerability of being and even the psychic sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Right, because yeah. to be able to have instincts means a connection to one's own inner instincts, but also that you're perceiving the field in order to yeah. be responding to something. Which so feels like that dance between human consciousness and the way that the planets are bringing through us through cycles mm. and like larger iterations and evolutions interesting okay I feel like you're getting actually into essence dynamics so I just want to drop like a few small things and then actually get back to what you're saying here's just a few small things I've noticed about Aries number one Aries women especially but maybe Aries of all gender love wearing boots (laughs) it's very true Aries is going to love stomping around in some boots. Number two. Even if they're wearing a dress, they have to have some boots. It's got to have a little bit of, like, an Amazonian warrior aspect. Because, like, who knows? You might have to fight somebody. You might have to run for your life at some point. Or climb a tree. I think it feels really good to be able to stomp around. Right. Just stomp around. (laughs) 
Maybe it's coming from Pisces, you know, you're coming from that like misty, dreamy world of the Bardo and you really want to be here on earth with your boots on the ground. Maybe it's Aries is the head, so you need to counterbalance it with some weight on your feet. Because we don't want to fall and Aries are, we sometimes sh- we like to fall. We should mention our both me and Arkai are Aries sons. <laughs> I think I have a lot of Aries. And I've had many concussions, probably too many to count. Yes, Aries, they jump head first into things. A lot of time. I've had really bad headaches, all that kind of stuff. Number two, I think you can always tell in Aries from their laugh. Hmm. Aries, I think also Aries, I'm going to say Aries women especially, but Aries of all genders, I think have like these really, like all that fire, all that cardinal fire comes out in their laugh. Also, Aries, I think, loves to laugh, loves humor, is often like some of the... People I know who are the funniest are Aries people. And I think it's because, like you're willing to say, they're witty and quick and clever and can turn a phrase. But more than anything, I think there's that ability to act a fool. Yeah. And to make to yourself like, the butt of the joke, to do a little physical comedy, to like, uh-huh. you know, to try and get other people to join in on it with you. And confront. Like that oppositional confrontation. You can't do it if you're trying to harmonize. And, like, be all Libra about it. Like, if you're trying to, like, sugarcoat that shit, it's like you're going to miss the punchline. <laughs> you can't be funny. You're you trying to please funny. everybody. You can't be funny. Mm-hmm. Humor is often oppositional. Yeah. And it's about ruffling feathers and skating on the edges of taboo. Uh-huh. And you need that, like, Aries fire to help mm-hmm. you do that. Last thing. I always say that there are two kinds of people in this world bold statements there are those people who learn to drive as soon as they can (laughs) and there are people who don't (laughs) I love that because I'm so Aries that I just had no fathomable like idea that there was any other person that they weren't like waiting in their little red car, like washing it and working on it for an entire month every day before I got my trailer. It was red too. That's what I'm saying. Me too. The day. The day after my 16th birthday, you bet your fucking ass, I was there taking my driver's test, and my mom... No, I was like, the day. <laughs> and my mom, the day... I think maybe I couldn't get an appointment the day. It would have been the best 16th birthday present ever. And I even tried to do that joke with my mom when I passed, where I was like, oh, I didn't pass. And my mom was like, oh, thank God, you drive like crazy. And I was like, JK, I passed. <laughs> she was like, oh my God, I'm so scared. <laughs> but I, that's true. I and Aries are fast, and they also walk very fast. Mm. Have you ever noticed that? Mm. I notice I like to walk a lot. Like like a military person. Just like swinging their arms. Swinging, swinging their, their arms, and their head is like a can. little bit like forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like they're so like head first. Lunging, and I'm always the first one in the... You know, if we're ever hiking anywhere, I have to be, like, way ahead of everyone. And, and like, like a little mountain goat. That's so cute. A little cute. ram. Climbing a little ram. Yeah, I'm, like, exactly. climbing on the rocks, and everyone else is, like, on the trail. Mm-hmm. And I'm literally just, like, airiesing it out. <laughs> like, rock, off jumping, the trail. <laughs> jumping from rock to rock. That's what I'm saying. Aries people are the ones that are going to learn how to drive. I think the only Aries I know who did not, like find mobility ASAP I think specifically a car I think Mars loves to drive a car I think it's that like sort of individual this is my pod I can go where I want when I want of a car the only person I know who didn't do that is um, someone who's like a hardcore New Yorker and I think it's because they had the subway and it was just a little culturally out of their wheelhouse but most areas I think will find mobility unless Saturn is like squaring their sun or something but I bet even you go to some Amish village and, like, that Aries kid is, like, like, on the track. On the horse and buggy. <laughs> yeah, just, like, totally. like, going as far along the perimeter of their little zone as they can. Totally. I was, like, on a motorcycle. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, I also think oftentimes Aries folks will end up working for themselves, like starting their own business, or they will be doing something very independent. They'll like have their own way of doing things if they're working within an organization. I think also 
a lot of Aries, I think, are ADHD or closely identifying and relating to as such. Like, I've met a significant... More more ADHD people are Aries than are not, I think, mm-hmm. at least in my experience. <laughs> <laughs> and I also think that... Um, I think that there's more gender queer or like <laughs> bisexual Aries. Definitely bisexual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, than almost any other sign. I like that you're saying this as a self identified ADHD gender queer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, this is my Aries. <laughs> yeah. And when I like meet other Aries, it's, it's very, I, I meet. Yeah, a large percentage of them that identify as such. And even just, even if they're cis and and straight and and all of that, it's like there's definitely a lot of more young masculine fire that I feel with with Aries women, Mm -hmm. um, identifying Aries women. And uh, I can, yeah, I can feel that energy shift like when I'm like partner dancing I can actually like hold the hands of of an Aries woman for like 20 seconds and I'll stop and be like what's your sign because what do you feel I feel that like masculine young fiery energy that's a little competitive and it's like there's just an extra like push to it that feels like wait this is different (laughs) (laughs) it's like meeting the fire in a in a particular way. Any other like little things <laughs> that you've noticed? Just a funny little thing is I think that a lot of Aries women specifically look like birds. <laughs> I don't think that goes for you very much. But um I'm but not, I, I'm not bird tribe. You're not bird tribe, I know. But like Arya Shout out Aria. Yeah. That's one of my dear friends who listens to this podcast sometimes. We love you. Love you. <laughs> and um, yeah, I feel like I do. I feel like a lot of Aries women have like this. I, I notice, I call them out too. It's like, I, I guess their sign. And it's because of something that I can see inside of their nose. And I think it's the nose and the fiery, like, pitta eyes. Like, the eyes the are a little bit more like. Aliveness. Yeah, aliveness and kind of piercing quality to it yeah so that's a funny little and I also think that there's more Aries strippers and Aries like people in jail (laughs) in my experience of um of uh making a toll (laughs) statistically it's been a very statistically according to anecdotal evidence uh uh-huh stuff I can really see Aries people ending in those yeah, and like you said, something about that that entrepreneur, self-employment, um, a lot of that in- independent drive can get really channeled into, you know, like a sales or something that's a little bit more taboo that goes against, you know, like the Capricornian structures or um, the appropriate um, jobs and, and can actually really maximize their... Um, their profit, their um, success inside of those things, Any, anything that's a little bit more competitive also. Mm-hmm. I, th- I really think that Aries tend to really thrive. With a little competition. It, yeah. like, activates the fire. Yeah. Mm. And I do think, I remember being in a class and someone was saying it's like all of you are conformists, right? And it's actually, like... Um, the intelligence that it takes to um, engage in criminal activity. Like, I think a lot of times that gets, like, marked as stupid or a lot of the ways that people get Uh caught seems really sort of, like, dumb or, like, how could they do that? Or, like, you know, there's, like, so much stigma and judgment and obviously there's, like, we're talking crimes in a blanket statement, but there's, like... Every single one of them is a case-by-case basis. But the overarching point that I think the professor was trying to make was that it actually takes a different perspective and a different point of view to live outside of the rules. Yeah. Like, to be looking at the way that society is going and to make the decision, oh, I could actually make more money doing this, or if I organize things in this way, then I could get this advantage, shows that you're thinking outside of the box. Right. And that you have to have a certain level of critical thinking ability, discernment, creativity, systems understanding, to even get to that point. Right. 
I love that you say creativity because I, I'm oftentimes feeling it's like I'm if there's like 200 people, I will just somehow not be in the right line and like not know any of the unspoken rules that I think everyone somehow knew at the airport or wherever. And it's like, I'm usually outside of that. But then when I hear whatever the rule is, it's like, there's oftentimes my brain has like already created this, this alternate like route or pathway. And when I try to talk to people about like a certain thing that they say they're like following you know their job and there's certain protocols within that it's they really can't see outside of that yeah it's not that they're like oh no no I'm just gonna get in trouble but like I can see that they like actually have something like it's very hard for them to actually understand that there's a different context at which that's applicable say for instance and then there's this one and there might be a way to, to go about it in a different way. And it's like, even just being open to those different pathways feels really challenging for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think like you were saying, like the Aries might have enough external fire to be like, I'm doing my own thing. Yeah. But, and now I want to shift to maybe some of those more sort of essence dynamics within Aries process, because I do think that having that experience does take a toll And that it's very common for Aries to have this sense of like, it's me against the world or I have to do it all myself or no one gets me. Totally. And I think also just that, like saying that what you're saying about taking the toll really reminds me of like this crucial part of Aries is like to have that fire and that spark and the courage and everything and the creativity and the bravery and all of that that it takes to like really go against the grain or you know do whatever it needs to to be able to self-actualize right to find this new iteration of self but that balance between being able to actualize and channel that fire into something that is going to propel it into a new chapter or new iteration of self and then to also be able to you know, like you said, know the systems, know the rules in order to find where that's going to actually drain the fire in certain places of opposition Um, and going against things, right? Like we can go against things so much where then like you have to end up paying a lot, (laughs) you know, even monetarily. (laughs) Um, It's very like physically, energetically and financially expensive sometimes. And like to find a way to do that cost analysis where it doesn't actually deplete your energy, but to actually keep it freed up mm-hmm. to be able to still liberate oneself, I think is like an intelligence that right. um, Aries is like always like finding because it's also something that is like a what is it called when you're like you're doing it like it like you're you're doing and learning at the same time yeah like it's an experiential learner yes that's what I always say about Aries it's Trial and error. Trial and error. (laughs) Trial and error. Because I think it's like you have to take the action and then you get the feedback. Exactly. And then that informs your next action. But I think so much of Aries, it like it is a path of courage. It is a path of bravery. Because to take that action, to be the fool, to have to like learn through trial and error is just continuously humbling so humbling and I think it's like so you can look at Aries and think oh like that's a person who already has all of those qualities down they're already free and independent and full of energy and good at starting new things and love you know (laughs) so much confidence (laughs) yes yes right but I think a lot of times Aries is not a finished state. It's a process. And the people who are living Aries process are in a journey of trial and error to actually get in touch with those qualities of feeling free, of feeling self-confident, of feeling brave. And then that other side is actually having to be incredibly sensitive to having to be continuously humbled. Like just when you were talking, it made me think of the squares Like, if you think Aries is a cardinal fire sign, it is here to start something new. Right. It is here to pioneer. It is here to be that spark, which I think is also, side note, me personally, I have huge Aries karma around starting things. I have started so many organizations, so many projects, so many creative 
endeavors and have not finished very many of them, which is also really hard to not feel a lot of internalized stigma about. But I've had to learn. Yeah, and failure. There's so much failure in Aries process. So much failure. And I've also had to learn to recognize when I'm just trying to reinvent the wheel over and over and over again. Right. And to be like, wait, does this already exist? Right. (laughs) Something about learning that structure in order to implement any sort of effect like change. Yeah, totally. Is there a model that I can copy to do this? Is someone else already doing it that I can join? But like that Aries instinct of just like, I need to do it all myself. And I have this idea, like there's something so beautiful and thinking like, I have this amazing idea. Like when I wrote my thesis for college, for some reason, college is really present with me. I think because I incurred a lot of educational trauma, being an Aries in an educational system, always trying to do things my way or always try and bring in new ideas Mm. and like having these teachers not know exactly how to handle me having sort of colored so far outside the lines, you know, right. And be like, you're smart, but I need you to do X, Y, Z. And they'll also like, there's something about that freedom that is such a, um, marginalized and repressed, marginalized in society, repressed inside of the individuals themselves. And so people will try to dominate and fight like go out of their way to oppose the Aries actually. And I, I feel like it's so fascinating to me because like we had an, I think it was the Aries full moon one time and we were doing a circle about it and talking and I, I was getting so Aries fired up <laughs> because I swear every single person just immediately after mentioning anything Aries would like immediately counteract it with like Libra. Mm-hmm. Just like try to harmonize. And I was like, people, I need you to like, open up your eyes and feel how actual controversial just even having an Aries full moon and talking about Aries that's how like marge like marginalized and repressed it is inside of our own nature just to even be able to move into that energy mm-hmm. like they just immediately wanted to cover it up with like harmony <laughs> yeah I think because vegan Aries is scary so much of social safety is created from belonging and so much of what Aries is tasked with yeah is trying to do something different trying to be an independent thinker trying to like say when things don't feel good trying to like be able to follow the beat of your own drum and I do think like everyone's like always pointing their fingers at Aries like you're the one opposing but actually just like you're saying look at these squares y'all Cancer, Libra, Capricorn right emotions, relationships, societies all of these things are the forces that internally and externally are straight up there in the geometry of the zodiac opposing Aries. Opposing and squaring Aries. People say Aries opposes them, but that opposition goes two ways. And there's yeah. so much where like the Capricorn will try and like fit Aries within the structures, like those teachers I have saying like And hijack the do- energy. Like hijack the actual fire, like a oh, Aries warrior or you know, like whatever the Aries energy has, they want to take that and funnel it towards their systems, mm-hmm. funnel it towards their cause, funnel it to feed the family, to fuel the family, to be humble and protective of the family, to sacrifice its needs for the family, for the other, for the relationship, <laughs> for the relationship, yes. for your duty, for your responsibility, like all of these things that you, like you were saying, these moral and ethical codes that we we have these unspoken and and also loudly loudly spoken um, ways of perpetuating these silent chains mm-hmm. <laughs> silent and invisible chains that are yeah like mm, that's that's selfish or mm, that's impossible like you'll never be able to do that right like what would ma- like what would make you think like people in Australia actually like so repressed in some ways, um, that they will be like, what would make you think that you can do that? Yeah. Those actual words. And I'm like, Oh, that's so interesting. It's like, because there's such a emphasis on following rules mm-hmm. and like not standing out. And to me, that's that double signal that Aries lives with all the time. Because on the one hand, I just think all of these people, Capricorn society, Libra relationships, cancer, the home, the heart, the hearth, all have very mixed feelings 
about Aries energy, about that Mars, young, expressive, fiery, cardinal energy. Right. Where on the one hand, I think there's this real appreciation for it of like, oh, wow, you know, like they do. They want that energy within their causes. Right. But then, so it's like your energy's great. Plug it in here. Plug it in there. But plug it in exactly how we want you to do it. Right. Like, and it just gets flipped when, you know, it's like, yes, of course, the individual and the fire and the protective, loyal, you know, energy of Aries would be beautiful inside of a family. But it's like making sure that the individual and the family are actually both supporting each other. Mm -hmm. Like that the family supports the individual. The society supports the individual just as much as the individual supports the society and the family. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Look at that. It's like, can't we all just get along? <laughs> Says the Aries. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, can we mutually support each other, y'all? <laughs> yeah. But, okay, I just want to go back and our actual it. structure support the individuals? <laughs> and I think it's hard because, actually, the squares are inherent. Like, yeah. I don't think these things are set up to support that. Right. When I was in school writing my thesis... There's a compromise in both of those in order to... And it's like a square is like a tension that demands resolution. Right. There's a way to work it out, but it's like a continuously inherent tension. tension that actually, if done... <laughs> correct. <laughs> in my Virgo I know statement. You, I don't know. You always <laughs> think there's a way to do it correct. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I know, right? I, know I think you, there's I know just like, like compassion that, for I, the dynamics. But I do think that there's ways in which the individual and the feedback loop that that individual passion or um, instincts, desires, like, and also the desires of the whole, the desires of the, the community, the family, the relationship, like, I do think that there's ways in which those tensions can also illuminate the things that need to be changed and evolved. And the next iteration of those things are found from that that can actually also support both. Mm-hmm. In my, I know very, very maybe Libra and ideals. <laughs> I love that you have that side of you that sees this way that it could be better. <laughs> I do. I just I think for me personally, sometimes I have a hard time getting in that mode because it does feel like bargaining with reality and like mm. trying to convince everyone. Like, don't you see? If you just did it different, it could be better. And I think I think that there needs to be grief allowed for one and say what you mean by grief and attachment. So so for instance, like I I'm, I I really love the idea of loving someone or being so much that you create experiences or or encourage them ex, you know to experience things that bring joy to them that expand their soul and all of that without it necessarily feeding you. You know, I think that we're really good at that when it feeds back, like comes back and feeds us, right? And I right. think that like I'll support you as long as, as long as yeah, as long as you doing that thing then like reflects back to me that I'm great or that somehow feeds me in this way, right? Like a mother, like I'm just supporting my child, but like it's also a feedback loop to your worthiness and your right. purpose and like what your child's success like reflects upon you and vice versa with our partners and everything. Like my um my mom actually, one of my moms, I had lesbian moms and they were radical revolutionaries and when I I was younger I was very into activism and they were very supportive of it and then at one point I was one of my moms was actually like you know it's interesting I feel a little mixed being so getting so excited when you do these things because I wonder would I be as excited if you were a ballerina you know she was onto herself yeah that like she loved it when I was all about activism but she yeah. wouldn't have loved it if I was maybe into these other activities that she wasn't so about right which we are so sensitive and we pick up as little kids being like the little Aries part of us instinctually picking up on like what part of our egoic structures what part of our personality will get us more safety and love and acceptance within the relationship the family the society and I think that those are the places where we then shut down like some of those deep like desires and expressions and like creativity and just like openness to explore oneself are the places where we marginalize our own Aries nature, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And I think that when I said grief and a um, ability to detach is because instead of being like we're in a like constant state of trying to harmonize and compromise and be in this like mutually harmonious thing all the time, I think that there's a way in which when we're really truly loving the like the Aries inside of that person that we love and we're like supporting their growth or their exploration, their creativity, their whatever, loving other people, all of it. Um, and it doesn't work with the part of us of like, I genuinely need something different that I think that we need to grieve that we need to be able to grieve that and fully go through any, you know, places where we're trying to avoid that by coping, by harmonizing, by, you know, any anger, sadness, all of that to come to acceptance, to also be able to detach and allow that individual to be free and allow us to be free in order to find our needs. And like, sometimes that brings it back together and sometimes not. But I think that that ability to really allow like the individual's desires to then reflect something upon the relationship and create a new system, for instance, or a new um, container for it, even if it means there's like a dismantling of, of it in a certain form. Can you use, use an example? Because I feel like it's getting a little abstract like to abstract. follow. I'm just thinking of like, you were saying that it's an ideal to be able to like have the structure or the family or the relationship also support the individual and that there's like a tension inside of those places, right? And so if I'm inside of a relationship and I think it can be transposed onto like an organization that I work for or anything like that. If my egoic or individual desires are different and that my partner or the organization supports me, but then it actually doesn't end up coming back and feeding this, the relationship or the system as a whole, then finding a way that grief and attachment can happen so that the next iteration so that you can actually let it go yes for more on this check out our podcast grief is the key to codependency (laughs) where we explore this further I mean I think this is a really important insight that you've had right where it's like let's say I like someone they don't like me I could try and keep changing myself try and chase them try and make them like me a million different ways try to be okay with the fact that they don't like me be okay with the crumbs but at a certain point, you just kind of got to call it and like grieve the fact that they don't like you. It's not going to happen. And then detach. And not shame them, not shame yourself and yeah. like allow for whatever that like seemingly con- like confliction mm-hmm. is to actually reveal like what's true. Mm-hmm. Because if people are like really being true to their Aries nature, yeah, then I know it feels really, really hard and it's much easier to say with somebody that like as me that does not have children and a family. (laughs) Um, but I think that if I'm constantly putting down my like individual desires and something that like is truly propelling my soul and I'm giving from this like empty cup and borrowing from all these like other parts of me, it feels like that's going to create codependence it's also going to create an illusion it's going to create patterns within the people that rely on me not only me self-sacrificing but like somewhere I have to get them to feed that empty part of me that just gave something up for them you know it's like it Mm -hmm. creates these energetic depletions and um, debts that we have within our relationships I think that is why I'm so hesitant to be in the like but only if we did it this way kind of mindset. Right. Because one, I mean, I think like, um, it's actually precisely not doing that. It's to me, I just feel like there's so many times in my life when I've been in that position of trying to convince someone that there's a different way of doing things, whether that's political or in a relationship or with like a business 
creative project decision we were making. It's like, Same if with the only people in Portland, yeah, if only we did it like this, you know, and to me, then those individuals could then feed the society and yeah, the society feed them and like totally. everything will be fine. Which is not to say that doesn't have a place, right? Like right. obviously it's important for us to be able to think into practical solutions, to be able to imagine alternative possibilities. But I, when I, you know, I'm like a hardcore relationship addict, codependent person. Like I've had to do so much dismantling of my own internal, um, patterns where I will fall into, um, like, I'm not like the word that keeps coming is just like fucking codependent because to me, what that feels like, i have the propensity to do that a lot. So much of my life, yeah, has been doing like, what if it was like this, but only there's this way. Totally. And the thing is, even talking about it too much, it feels like it's starting to feed this fantasy. Right. And you're building this idealistic world that's like, I like I said, maybe has an important place to be able to vision it, but it's almost like transporting yourself there and then trying to convince people to be like that so that I can have a certain experience. And I think what's tricky about it is I hear a lot of people who are in positions of being like a quote unquote teacher or quote unquote authority. A lot of them are like step into my fantasy vision of how it could be. Right. And I think it feels really good if you resonate with that fantasy vision of how it could be. And I think it gives them a certain level of authority because it's almost like they're teaching you how to do it right talk to your partner in these five ways for good communication and then you will have like the relationship of your dreams you won't have to grieve and break up and you will you'll be able to like evolve side by side and like you're breadcrumbing along and part of where it is that you're getting your energy to keep going is from the fantasy of what you're envisioning and I think is from that good feeling you get of Lee and like I do have the answer I love that precisely what you're stopping yourself from doing is grieving and detaching and actually dealing with reality as it is. And what gets shut down is the Aries part. And I think that it's so perfect that you held this polarity inside of that because I do think there's actually so much grief inside of Aries. Yeah. Like in order to, and, and maybe like inside of the other signs as well, realizing that there's a part of the individual parts of ourselves that, um, yeah, that might need to like let go or, or go against certain parts of the whole or the relationship, um, in order to find oneself and to liberate yourself and to liberate. It's almost like you go through like all of this internalizing shame early in life from the family, the relationships and the society. And then you spend the next half of your life trying to liberate yourself from it in a way that's not just like trying to just go back to Aries. It almost should be like the, you know, the, the wheel goes the opposite way. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And it can look while someone's going through all this internalizing of the shame, it can look like you're being obstinate and resistant and fighting on the outside. But I think those arrows are cutting really deep on the inside. And then to find like a more integrated Aries later on in life, you have to genuinely liberate yourself, not just sort of do kind of an external pendulum swing against it, but like truly from the inside out, liberate yourself. Right. Which almost feels in a way that, like you were saying, like who's the oppositional one? (laughs) Because I do think that, you know what you're saying when you're fucking codependent and being in that addict and, and, you know, moving in, you know, inside of relationships and all of life with our coping mechanism fueled from trauma. I think that's so much of like the cancerian, like Libran parts of us that are like fighting for love, fighting to not lose family, fighting for belonging, fighting for relationship and fighting for like worthiness and and purpose inside of society, all of that doing. And and to me, it's like, that's where the Aries like fire and drive and like that true need to like liberate has been hijacked, Mm -hmm. you know, because when it truly goes into that surrender I feel like I'm like experiencing it right now in such an extreme way of letting go of so much, you know, 
with home and purpose and relationship and everything. And it's coming to this place where it's like the Aries part of me is just, there's no, there's, there's not a lot of fight of the coping mechanism. So there's just, it's pure surrender to the new pathway that seems actually like a turning away and like opposition to so much. But to me, it's like actually being inside of the, the fighting for that Mm -hmm. felt so much more of like that, those Libra and cancer parts of me, even Capricorn Mars, like fighting Mm -hmm. to prove, to, to create, like you said, that new, that fantasy, like it could all be like this. I feel like I've spent my whole life, like, we could just love people like this. We could love the plants and animals like this. We could live like this. Let's all just go do this and be Mm -hmm. in magic, you know, or like, let me do it, you know, kind of thing. And it's like this, like real humbling part of being on the actual part of the bridge where we really are. Yeah. And grieving Mm -hmm. the part that you can't like make it better. You know, we are in the broken part of the bridge. We are in the space with the earth right now. And with humanity and, like, you know, just really being real with where we are and, like, what that really truly is propelling us to do and, like, really being in that internal listening. And I think that instinctual, you know, soul mm-hmm. connection and then and deep humbling and, sh- and shredding and surrendering mm-hmm. feels so necessary to even be able to listen. Exactly. Because there's so much noise and like existential anxiety mm-hmm. if we are still you know feeding our energy in that way you know and like what you were saying about the languages like the feedback loop and I feel like that's so much of, of Gemini is like that feedback loop of having that reflection but like the Aries part is that feedback loop where it's like what is it actually telling our bodies mm-hmm. and our instinct and like when we go into these condition you know the social familial karmic societal conditioning and we actualize ourselves through that lens then that feedback loop imprints itself in our body mm-hmm. and those patterns are solidified and it makes it so much harder to break free yeah. <laughs> you know I'm really like working with some deep patterns right now and it's like it feels so crucial to really allow it to integrate into the body you know yeah like reality really gives us opportunities over and over and I can feel the expensive like how expensive these karmic decisions have been for me to actually feed my sexual energy or my monetary or you know emotional energy two patterns that solidify some of those deeper like trauma coping strategies Mm -hmm. and I feel like in my own Aries brand of codependency I do feel like part of the fantasy was specifically that I could have it both ways yeah was that I could be this outrageous individual and totally harmonize in relationships totally. that I could find my own innovative path that would be completely rewarded and celebrated by society right that everyone who loved me would support me being like super outrageous right and I think coming to that sober fact that um, that's not always the case yeah and what happened with my thesis, in college is I just got assigned to an advisor and he just really didn't get me. We didn't get each other. And I wrote this whole thing that I thought was brilliant. I was having my spiritual awakening at the same time and like poured my heart and soul into what I'm sure was, you know, a very hard to read, (laughs) super ecstatically written document. Um, but there were some good ideas in there. I know because I had another professor who is actually a mentor of mine and he was like, there's, this is a diamond in the rough, but it's still a diamond. But the person who was assigned to me to be my advisor, I turned it into him and he's like, you don't have very many citations. You're very citation light. And I was like, yeah, because 
these are original ideas. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're my ideas. Because, like, these fucking ideas came to me. Like, I channeled these from source, you know? And, um, like, it's not like theorist A says this and theorist B says this, and combining the two, I have come to this more integrated theory that takes the best of both worlds. No, I was like, this is an entire model of social change that came to me and I'm really excited to share it. And, um, he's like, yeah, if you don't put in more citations, then you will fail your thesis. (laughs) Oh my God. It's, and it was that moment where I was like, Oh, before then I had wanted to be an academic. Um. And there was something about that moment where I was like, Oh, I can't fit here. Actually, right. this system is not it's rewarding set up. you regurgitating information more than the actual like you're talking about capricritical thinking. It's a, it's a conservative system. It is about tempering intellectual production by creating a lineage that you're like building on the shoulders of whoever. And I just saw the whole thing, and I was like, Oh, this is not for me. This is not the environment that's actually going to support my liberation. And I decided not to be an academic. Wow. So I think that's part of the Aries learning too, is that that you can't always have it both ways. Sometimes maybe you can. No, I really love that you stuck with that because I do think that was, that has been like definitely a huge part of me. Um, engaging in so many um, coping strategies in order to um, try to hold on to that existential or try to hold on to the hope (laughs) and and avoid um, or minimize the existential fear of being alone I think that 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 part of like the Aries being you know against the world (laughs) the world is against and needing to fight you know for that um that liberation and that freedom and just to like be who, who it is, um, is such a strong part. And do you remember when you, when I found out that my South node was in Libra and that my North node is in Aries, (laughs) that my reaction was to cry. (laughs) Do you remember? I do because you took it as like your hopes for like Libra partnership were never going to happen. I literally (laughs) thought that like as soon as she said that my North node was in was in Aries, I immediately was like my deepest fear. I felt like I had this this haunting voice that was like, if you follow yourself in the jungle, like you're going to be alone forever. Oh and so I've like been living in the jungle alone <laughs> for like five and a half years. <laughs> and then she's like, your North node is an Aries. So it's just like, bitch, you're just going towards it's like, it's your alone. destiny <laughs> alone in the jungle is what I heard for the rest of your life. But I don't think it's alone. I don't think no, it's but alone. that's the it's the fear, but the I, fear of, of the course. Libra, you yeah. know, self node is that if you if you bring your Aries forward, yeah. if you bring your needs, your own instinctual rhythm, your own desires, if you go towards that like calling, that internal beeper, is that you're going to be alone <laughs> <laughs> and rejected and you know opposed shamed. and killed and shamed and like you know fought with, and I do think that there are. A lot of those um, initiations, at least there have been for me. And um, yeah, and I think so Aries is a, is a really <laughs> a beautiful <laughs> and strong initiation of facing that existential fear of aloneness. And, um, and walking that path of courage. Yeah. I will say, though, that the difference that you can feel between like an Aries who's let's say like meeting the parents and trying to do it all in the most, you know, (laughs) mm -hmm. yeah. Trying to color in the lines and play by the rules, you know, they might be able to do it, but the difference of the energy of that versus like when an Aries is really supported, like you said, and like, like I can feel it in myself when I'm actually feel accepted and I am able to like meet people as my genuine self, like the brightness 
and the light and the love is just so qualitatively greater. Totally. And, um, yeah, I... I also think I've gotten a lot of opposition while I'm trying to be in Libra harmonizing, like not being a crazy, intense jungle bitch. (laughs) And, um, I think that's, there's something about that too. When you like actually go into the surrender mode of that, Mm -hmm. there's some sort of disarmoring that happens that you're like actually detached and allowing that, like, if people want to think you're intense mm-hmm. and, like, where if it doesn't serve you, that's like, okay, I understand that. I am opposing your family, like, mm-hmm. ideology or system or whatever it is that, you know, mm-hmm. I might be opposing at the time. Yeah, the, the vibe is actually way better, you know? Just, like, letting yourself be who you are is always way better than trying to shove yourself in a box. It is than trying to shove yourself in a box. Those, you know, those... Um, Going against yourself, actually, yeah, creates creates a much worse vibe. We need to close. Um, I think the last thing that I just wanted to put out there was just like immense compassion for Aries' process and immense appreciation for um, the spark that it brings to the world, and that I do think there is. It's like heavy. It's, people say Aries is intense, but I think it is intense to feel so opposed and so squared by all of these major aspects of life that all have so much power, the family, the society, the partnership, the relationship, like all of those hold huge positions of power right. in a person's life. And I think this is also why Aries functions so well with a really strong mission because yeah. there's something about being able to come back to that touchstone of one's mission, whatever that mission is, a soul mission, a practical, you know, consensus reality, physical mission, the mission for self-actualization, for liberation, for self-honesty, truth, whatever it is. I think that mission is like just an immense reminder and source of support that me has really helped me as an Aries walking this path of courage. And also allow your mission to be dismantled. <laughs> yeah. And be prepared for that. And yeah, um, the mission itself is a process of yeah, trial and error. Of trial and error and um, deconstruction and surrender and humbleness. And just to have faith, even though I do feel like it can be so humbling and shredding as I've said over and over I will say even in being in the process of this actually occurring right now in a in a very strong way that being like truly authentic to oneself is like such magic and there's something about that that is like a homecoming you know, in a really, really like profound way that I think opens up like the doors of connection and like to find our true places in society and our true places inside of like the relationships that are really actually what our soul is calling us for, you know, yeah, to just have faith in that. Lots of love, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.